This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Halloween Horror Month still on the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And if there's any music that could describe my mood right now, it would be that. <laughs> my name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. Uh, and we were just talking for about five seconds before the show started. And I was like, wait, save it. Let's air our grievances on the show tonight. Because <laughs> I think we yes. both had a pretty tough weekend. Yeah, we had um, we had a an unwelcome visitor named mm-hmm. Nate uh, in the Gulf Coast area. Uh, he he wreaked a little bit of havoc, mm-hmm. uh, knocked some trees over, left some water in areas where water is not supposed to be. He's kind of a jackass, actually. Yeah, he's a nasty Nate is what I like to call him. Yeah. <laughs> so. I know that we have a lot of listeners, and most of you don't live near a coastal area. Uh, and a lot of people from the coast, I've noticed, you know, don't really they they balk at the at those of us who actually get concerned when uh, storms come up into the Gulf because most of those people don't live near the coastline like I do. I actually live near a bayou inlet and a. Uh, a boat launch, and then the other side of me—that's um, at one end of the road. If you walk down and walk around the corner, there's the boat launch. I live right next to the bayou, and then if you walk down the other way down my street, you turn a corner, and you can literally, as soon as you turn the corner, you can see straight out into the Gulf of Mexico. That's how close to the water I am. So when there's a storm in the Gulf, I tend to freak out a bit. I don't know about you. I mean, anytime there's a hurricane or even like a strong tropical storm, you know, it's it's always cause for concern. I live about, uh, I'd say, probably 10 miles from uh, Pensacola Bay, which goes into the Gulf of Mexico. So I, I don't live too far from water myself. I mean, not nearly as close as you do, but yeah, well, you know, still enough where I would – it would pique my interest, if you will. <laughs> well, you know, people always kind of say things like, well, why do you go to live so close to the water? Well, unfortunately, when you live along the Gulf Coast, most of the cities, and I like to live in the city, they're in low-lying areas. I like to live around things. I like for things to be within a close proximity of me. You know, I'm literally two minutes away from uh, a movie theater and Target and Best Buy and all the restaurants you could want. The, I have one of my favorite Chinese restaurants is within within walking distance of my house. I like to live near things. But the exchange for that is that I have to live in what they call a low-lying area. 
so I pay a lot in flood insurance and things like that. So whenever storms come up in the Gulf, I tend to get really tense and uptight. And this storm was no different because this storm literally came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was what? When did we find out about this storm? Like Wednesday? Something like that? Yeah, it was early in the week. I think it was like Monday or Tuesday when I heard something was developing like right out right off the coast of Mexico. They're like, oh, yeah, it'll be along the Gulf Coast by Friday or Saturday. Well, the way we were hearing it was, oh, it'll hit sometime late Sunday, maybe Monday morning. Like that was the beginning of it. Like, okay. So for weeks now, we've been uh, planning that my wife was going to go out of town on Thursday evening. Uh, to North Louisiana where her parents live and her sister is flying down from uh, New Hampshire and they were going to have like a nice big long weekend together. And I was going to stay here, (coughs) excuse me, and um, meet up with my friend Dorian. And we were going to go Saturday and just spend all day at like the flea market, going to yard sales, looking for retro gaming stuff. And that was what we had planned to do. But by Thursday, they were already talking about the storm was going to hit Sunday midday. Um, so my wife decided, you know, she was just going to wait till Friday morning to leave, kind of, you know, find out a little bit more about what the storm's going to do. So Friday morning rolls around and she was just about to leave. And I got the news that they had moved it up to Sunday morning. So, cause what we were going to do was have her leave. She was going to leave Friday morning and then maybe come back either Saturday night or early Sunday morning. But the storm kept getting faster and faster, and they kept moving the the landfall back by like six hours at a time. So eventually, when the storm did hit, it was like 10 o'clock Saturday night when it finally started to make landfall. And we had to spend most of Friday evening and Saturday... uh, you know, securing everything, putting things away. We had to take all of our Halloween decorations down, you know, tie down anything that that could fly away, um, just getting everything ready and pretty much expecting that we were going to get water. Uh, so that's what we did most of the day. Uh, Friday, we still weren't sure if we were going to leave. We wanted to ride the storm out here at the house, but... I had a really bad feeling about it, so I made her, we packed up the cats and we went to my mother-in-law's house Saturday afternoon when they were, they had issued a curfew, or they were issuing a curfew at 7, so we had to get everything done, and over there, we 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 got over there at like 5 o'clock, and then we came back for one last walkthrough here at the house, and we had to be back over there by seven o'clock because of the curfew. And it's just, I don't know if anybody's ever been through, you know, trying to ride out a storm at some, somewhere that's not your home and you don't know what's going on at your home. And then about 1230 in the morning, my neighbor sent me a picture. They decided to ride it out. They live next door and she sent me a picture at like 1230 where the water, my house was completely submerged from their yard. Like they were, their house was literally an island. There was water surrounding us and my house was underwater. Luckily, my house is built up on a four foot slab and we're at 11 feet 
um, is what our house is built up to. Um, and if it would have gone up another foot, it, we would have had water in, in the house. Like you can see the water line on the side of the house, uh, circling the house. So if it would have been another foot of storm surge, we would have had water in the house. So we literally dodged a bullet with that. Absolutely. And I've had maybe three hours of sleep since seven o'clock or six o'clock Saturday morning, which I didn't get much sleep Friday night either. Uh, so I'm probably working on roughly about six hours of sleep since Thursday. <laughs> so if I sound a little off or slow tonight, I sincerely apologize, but I didn't want to not do a show. Um, and we just got, we never lost power, but we did lose uh, internet, and I wasn't sure we were going to be able to do the show tonight um, because me and you know me and Derek use Skype. We also usually live stream the show to Twitch, but I didn't want to put a strain on anything, and plus I'm a little out of it to take care of two to three different things. So um, we just got internet like two or three hours ago. So I texted Derek and I said, "Let's let's go ahead and do our regular time slot and get a show out." Yeah, I think it's probably for the best that we're not doing a, a live one. You know, go, going old school is not too bad. Yeah, it's not bad. But yeah, we got, I didn't sleep at all. It was so hard to sleep and knowing that my house was in water and it's just it's such a awful feeling. And then we woke up early this morning at about 5.30 in the morning to come check on the house. We, we didn't care about the curfew either. The curfew was lifted at 7, but we were like, as soon as daybreak, we're leaving to go check the house. And we got here, and everything was fine, and we pretty much just broke down in tears and hugged each other and <laughs> thanked whatever deity runs the universe that it spared us through another storm. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to make it through okay. You know, I was... <clears throat> I, I was concerned about, you know, the everyone in your area uh, just because of where the storm hit. Luckily here, all we got was um, a lot of wind and rain. You know, we, we had limited flooding around the area, but it was more like in Mobile in yeah. that area was uh, was more flooded than it was here. Well, actually, you guys had a little, you know, people you know, think being in the middle of the storm, I mean, we got hit directly, but you guys got the outer edges of it. You guys got the rain and yeah. stuff. We mostly just got wind and storm surge. Yeah. Uh, there were some tornadoes, uh, but not anywhere, you know, like in, in our area. We, we were, we were pretty lucky. We never lost power. Uh, and I, I was, <clears throat> I was determined to, just stay up through the whole thing because normally during storms like that, I don't sleep. Yeah, it's hard to sleep. <laughs> and then, but I was just so tired because, uh, normally on, on some Saturdays I have to work, um, college football games that we host at the stadium that I work at. Well, due to the storm, the game was moved up from Saturday to Friday. Mm -hmm. So we had to scramble to get everything ready a day earlier than we normally do. And then had to stay after the game was over to basically prep the whole stadium for a hurricane. You know, we had to move. We had to move tables um, off of party decks into tunnels, uh, sandbag doors. Uh, from our end, we had to roll out all of our um, cable that we wire the stadium with for football. Uh, so we were we were at the stadium kind of late, and then 
you know, Saturday prep the prep the house here. And mm-hmm. I think I stayed up till like one or one thirty, and then just passed out on the couch. <laughs> but luckily we didn't, we didn't really have any structural damage here, which was good. Yeah, I'm really surprised. Like I said, we didn't get a lot of wind here at my house, so we didn't get a lot of um we didn't lose any shingles or anything like that. We didn't have a lot of um I mean we had a lot of small limbs, but I'm surprised that we didn't get the big limbs like we usually get um like when we get the outer edges of a storm. <clears throat> but um you know, I'm sorry we're talking about hurricanes and not retro gaming, but this is something that we literally just went through, so it's so fresh on my mind and it feels good to talk about it because I've been so tense the last like forty eight hours. It's it's unreal. And now that it's finally over, it was like today it was so sunny and nice out today. It was like it was like nothing yeah. happened. You know, it was like this horrible st- thing happened in the last couple of days and now it's like nothing happened yeah pretty much which is funny because today at least for me has been a worse day than yesterday was because um my car won't start that sucks man so yeah we were we were actually gonna go uh visit my parents and um you know hopped in the car turned the ignition wouldn't start it's a dead battery. I have this little portable like jumper, mm-hmm. but it takes forever to charge, and that's what I was trying to do right before the show started. So as Time soon as we're done, I'm going to have to work on my car again. Time for a new battery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, batteries are so. expensive uh, lately, man. I didn't know batteries were as expensive as they are. I thought they used to be like – then they used to be like 50 bucks. Now they're like 120 What happened? Something like that. I, I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, let's go ahead and talk about video games. I'm sorry we don't have any news for this episode. Uh, just, I really didn't have time to look for anything the past couple of days. It's just been nothing but storm preparation. So, But I did get um, our video game history stuff, and I'll be reviewing Shadowgate tonight. So let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In October of 1982... Namco releases Super Pac-Man, the third title in the Pac-Man series. I I remember Super Pac-Man. I used to play this one a lot when I would go to the arcade as a kid. Because this was the fun one. Because this is the one where Pac-Man would get really big. Yeah, I'm looking at screen caps of it now. I, I've heard of Super Pac-Man, but never really seen anything from it. But I've never seen any... Um... Like recre- uh, you know, redos of this. Like I haven't seen this on any of the, uh, you know, like the what was the Pac Man, Pac Mania, or something that came out a few years ago for Xbox. Um, that uh, sounds right. There's Ultimate been so Pac-Man many of those compilations. Ultimate Tournament or something like that. I would love to play this game again because this was one I always gravitated to when I was in the in the uh, the arcades when I was a kid. Yeah. Now I've like I said I've heard of Super Pac-Man and Super Pac-Man's been referenced in other Pac-Man games but I actually have never played like the actual arcade game. It's fun. Super Pac-Man. If you ever get a chance, throw a couple quarters in it. It's fun. I'll have to track one down. But um in October of 1982 as well, Universal releases Mr. Do solely as a converse, uh, conversion kit, the first game in the series. 
Um, I've never heard of this before, but looking at screen caps of it, it looks very similar to Dig Dug. Yeah. Uh, and I and I do I've like never, Dig Dug. I've never played this, but um, it looks sort of like a cross between Dig Dug and Pac-Man. Yeah, it says here, Mr. Do is an arcade game created by Universal, uh, similar in some ways to Namco's popular Dig Dug title. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Do was also popular and saw release on a variety of home video game consoles and systems. Uh, it was one of the first arcade games to be released as a conversion kit and went on to sell 30,000 units in the United States. Wow, it's not bad. Uh, not bad at all. To 1983, Namco releases Libble Rabble. <laughs> Almost couldn't say that. Um, uh, this is an arcade game that was released by Namco. Uh, it was designed by Toru Iwatani, who also designed the GB series, Pac-Man, and Pole Position. I've never played this game before in my life. I have not even heard of it. Me neither. Interesting. I'm going to have to look this up. Uh, as a, I, I thought I knew all the Namco games, but apparently not. Uh, see, in October of 1987, Nintendo releases Mike Tyson's Punch-Out for NES slash Famicom. Arguably one of the best games for the NES. Well, probably in the top ten easily. It's definitely one of the more iconic games. You know, everybody knows what Mike Tyson's punch out is. Even if you're not like a hardcore gamer, yeah. you know of this game. I don't know anybody that didn't have Mike Tyson's punch out or regular punch out back in the day. That was a must have for the NES. Everybody had a copy of that game. Absolutely. Uh, in October of 87, also, LucasArts releases Maniac Mansion, the first game to use the Scum engine. I love that name. Uh, innovating the point-and-click interface for the adventure game genre. And uh, let me look that up, because I don't remember exactly what the Scum engine was. Or why this game sounds scum. vaguely familiar. Scum. Like, I know the name. I've heard this name before. Yeah, scripting language developed at LucasArts. Uh, video game engine developed at LucasArts uh, to ease development on their first graphic adventure game, Maniac Mansion. Uh, it was also used in, I know it was uh, used for like uh, Secrets of Monkey Island. Um, but I don't know why they call I remember uh, seeing this not too long ago, but I don't remember why they called it the Scum Engine. Uh, I can't really find it right now. But um, it was actually pretty funny. Man. It's I a cool name, it. though. Yeah, Scum. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> yeah, name. Yeah, Scum? Yeah, Scum. Uh, October 30th, 1987, NEC releases the PC Engine console in Japan, also known as the TurboGrafx-16. I came very close to purchasing a TurboGrafx-16 many, many times. Uh, when I was a uh, teenager, it looked like an interesting system and it had a lot of really cool games for it, but it was just kind of, I don't know. It just never really had that one killer app, you know? Yeah. Funny enough, I had never heard of the TurboGrafx-16 until the Wii Virtual Console because they released, um, they released quite a few games for that on the virtual console and I I noticed it and I was like I've never heard of this system before so well, I used that, to that's go, pretty cool. I used to go to the Toys R Us and play the um the demo 
console they had set up in there, and they always had uh, Bonk's Adventure on there. But the the one game that almost made me buy the TurboGrafx-16 was I wanted to play Splatterhouse because I was so into horror games. that But I just I couldn't justify buying the TurboGrafx-16 just for one game. Yeah. So I never No, I, I totally one. agree. I'd love to to get one if I ever run if I ever run across one at uh flea markets or yard sales, I'm definitely picking it up because I really wish I would have bought one back in the day. Yeah, I like I said I've never played the the turbo graphics before, but it, it would be fun. Uh and also to round us out in October 15th of 1990, LucasArts releases The Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, it's another one of those point and click adventures that LucasArts did so well back in the 90s. Uh, if you've never played it, you can actually pick it up on Steam. And I think it's on good old games as well. And I really, um, from what I'm reviewing this week is a point and click adventure, Shadowgate. I'm a big fan of point and click adventures. So if that kind of gameplay is your cup of tea, definitely pick up secret of monkey Island. Cause you can pick it up for really cheap nowadays. And this game was also built with the scum engine. Yes, it was <laughs> yes. Scum. And you know, I I've definitely heard of this game. I've never played it, but I do remember hearing about it back in the day. But I don't really know that much about it, per se. Yeah, it was a kind of a big deal because, you know, LucasArts uh, was kind of, uh, it was just one of those things that like, oh, man, Lucas made this game, so I must play it. It was that sort of thing. And they made good games. So they always, I, they've always made good games, in, in my opinion. Yeah. But, uh, but let's go ahead and move on to our mid-roll here before we go into the review for tonight. And Derek, I'm going to let you talk to him about books. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I mentioned this last week, but I'm kind of getting back into that Star Wars mindset. Uh, really excited for – well, if you're listening to the show the day it comes out tonight – uh, the final trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi will drop uh, during halftime of Monday Night Football, and Ooh. also immediately after the trailer airs, uh, tickets will be available to purchase. Really? So, yes. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I, yep, during, during halftime of the game, they're showing the commercial on TV, and then immediately after that, uh, they, they did the same thing with Force Awakens. You know, that they aired the last trailer in the same way, and at the end it says, you know, ticket pre-orders available. Now, I remember yeah. I literally bought, like, ten tickets. Yeah, I, I've got – actually have a um, notification set up on Fandango for when they go on sale, so I guess I'll be buying tickets tomorrow night. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so – uh, speaking of Star Wars, they've got several great Star Wars books. I've recommended Star Wars Bloodline uh, multiple times in the past. Very good book. Uh, Star Wars Leia recently came out. I'm going to start listening to that this week. There's also Phasma, which delves into the backstory of Captain Phasma, who was introduced in The Force Awakens. Oh, and there's and a Thrawn the sequel coming, too. I didn't mean yes. to, to bust in there, but I, I wanted to throw that out there. There's a Thrawn sequel by Timothy Zahn coming out very, very soon. Where he teams up with Darth Vader, mm. which is uh, <laughs> going to be so good. And also at the end of the month, 
I want to say it's the end of the month. It might be early November, but sometime soon, uh, the legends of Luke Skywalker comes out. So mm-hmm. we'll maybe finally get some backstory into what Luke has been up to between Jedi and force awakens. So to do that, Go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. Who the hell is this Luke Skywalker you speak of? That's just weird. <laughs> I, I've I've vaguely heard of him. I, I think he he did some notable stuff back in the day, but I think so. I, I don't I don't know where he is. I think he was down at Tashi Station picking up some power converters or something like that. I don't know. And then he took his first step into a larger world. <laughs> for this game it just kind of it's so atmospheric and just bores into your brain and you can't get it out of there and you think about it all the time Mm, i love it but shadowgate is a 1987 point and click adventure game originally for the apple macintosh and the mac adventure series it was also ported to other systems namely the nes and uh I think it was also at the same time. It was released at the same time. It doesn't say that the. It only has the one, July 30th, 1987. Um, the game is named for its setting Castle Shadowgate, residence of the evil warlock Lord. The player, as the last of the great line of hero kings, is charged with the task of saving the world by defeating the warlock Lord, who is attempting to summon up the demon behemoth out of hell. Where do I start with this game? Um, I'll tell you a little story. Back in probably, it had to be around 87, 88. Um, I, I remember we used to go every Friday because um, I, I went to the same school. My mom was a teacher's assistant and we, I was, and she was at, she worked at the same elementary school that I went to. So on Friday afternoons, I would leave my class, go to her classroom and wait for her to get done. And then we would go get groceries and then go next door and pick up videos at, uh, what was it called? It was, um, nighttime video. And it was the first video store we could go to where you could rent for two days instead of one. So we would go there on Friday afternoon Mom and dad would always get a movie and they would always let me get either a movie or a video game. And 99.99999% of the time, it was a video game. And there was one particular weekend where I couldn't really find anything that I wanted to rent. But I did remember, and I saw Shadowgate on the shelf. And it was one of those games that, you know, I would see all the time and be intrigued by the cover. But the gameplay didn't really interest me because I'd never played a point-and-click adventure at the time. But I remember reading about this game being really atmospheric and moody. I think it was a Nintendo Power. So I decided to give it a try one weekend. And this was one of those games that was always in. Like, it was never rented out, ever. So I decided to rent it one weekend, and I 
fell in love with it. And I think I rented it for the next like two or three weekends. I never bought the game, but I rented it multiple times. And all, and guess what? My save was always still there because nobody ever rented this game. Uh, because I just don't think people took too well to point and click adventures on the Nintendo. But I have to say, it's really well done. Um, you would think it would be kind of cumbersome, uh, maybe you know, kind of hard to to navigate your um, your menus and all that stuff. But I gotta say, going back to it after all this time was great. I I found it to be very smooth. Um, you know, it, it it was easy to navigate. It was a fun game. This is one of the most fun games I've played in a long time because and for the first couple of hours that I was playing it, I was trying to do it from memory and I was getting stuck a lot. And trust me, you die a lot in this game if you don't know what you're doing. So I decided to kind of cheat a little bit and I looked up a walkthrough <laughs> and I know it sounds like it's cheating, but it actually enhanced the fun of the game for me to actually use a walkthrough when I got stuck somewhere or didn't know what to do. And I got to say, I had a lot of fun playing this game. It definitely sounds like it. It's, it's funny. You mentioned the whole deal with, you know, you rented this game so much and, um, your save was still there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of, and I think I've told this story before, but it was like when we used to have a, a video store where I lived, um, I was the only one who would ever rent the movie, the wizard. And I rented it so many times. Like I was the only person that would rent it. That they eventually <laughs> sold it to me. Wow. So that, that, that kind of, that kind of triggered that memory, but you know, as someone who has never really been into the point and click games, how exactly does it work? Like, does the story start and you like click where your character wants to go? Yeah. Like, how does that whole thing work? Well, you have kind of your main, uh, you know, picture. It's it's a point. Of, it's a first person point of view type of thing. Uh, you have right. a little window up in the left of your your point of view, and then underneath that is a little kind of a map of the room that you're in and it's got these little blocks in it. So if you want to move quickly from room to room, you just click on one of the little boxes and within that box that corresponds to what door you want to go into. That way you don't have to worry about going up to the actual main screen and trying to click like a little door off to your right. And you know, you kind of, you don't have the fine tune of a mouse. So you can just go down into that little square at the bottom and click the little square within that to correspond to what door you want to go through. And then on your upper right is your spells, all your, um, your weapons, armor, all that kind of stuff. You just flip through pages. Cause like under that, it just, it, you can flip through each page. Um, and then you just go up and click whatever you want to use. And then you have another menu that says like, use open close stuff like that like if you want to open a door you actually have to uh click on the door and then click open you know what i'm saying or close yeah things like that it, it sounds cumbersome but it's not once you get used to it and plus the game when you first start out you get this little 
Uh, it's like parchment paper on the bottom of the screen, and it tells you, uh, here's exactly what it says. The last thing that you remember is standing before the, wi the wizard, uh, Lakmir, as he gestured wildly and chanted in an archaic tongue. Now you find yourself staring at an entryway, which lies at the edge of a forest. The druid's words still ring in your ears. Within the walls of the castle Shadowgate lies your quest. If the prophecies hold true... The dreaded warlock lord will use his dark magic to raise the behemoth, the deadliest of the titans, from the depths of the earth. You are the seed of prophecy, the last of the line of kings, and only you can stop the warlock lord from darkening our world forever. Fare thee well. And then you enter through the door, and you start your adventure. And it's... If you've never played a point-and-click adventure, you know, each room has things that you click, and you look for clues. Uh, like, if you can't like you have to have a key so you've got to go back and try to maybe solve a puzzle or something to, to find a key or you know open a book or try to find like a hidden door or something like that to get into the next room and that's pretty much just the whole game is you're going from room to room and sometimes most of the rooms you go into like you'll go into a room and there's you know like a, a door in the floor that has a ladder or there's a door right in front of you or there's a ladder or something going up through a door in the ceiling and you click on the, the door in the floor. Well, guess what? You, you get on the ladder and the ladder breaks and you fall to your death <laughs> and you have to start, you, you start back from pretty much where you died. So it's not like you have to go back to like the beginning of a level or anything. It's just kind of more of an inconvenience to die than anything. But that's kind of what makes the game fun is just finding out what works and what doesn't. How do, um, how do enemy fights work? Like, do you run into, you do you're just like um, baddies or whatever? Yeah. Like the first one you kind of come to is like a dragon where you walk in and you see some eyes down this hallway. So you very have to very quickly pick up the um, armor of those who came before you, like a shield. You pick up the shield, and as soon as you pick it up, the dragon shoots fire at you, and you have like two hits with the shield. So if you get hit once, you have to grab everything you need out of the room and get the hell out of there before he blasts you again. You know, And then you go into another room where you, know, you find... Uh, scrolls that have spells and things like that. And then you find different, like you have to find like a staff and uh, different things that you put together. Um, but you do actually have boss fights that are very specific, like specific things you have to do, specific spells that you have to use to defeat these bosses to get through. Um, and it's just really kind of fun to just figure out what works against each one. And, it, honestly, it's not that long of a game, and if you have the walkthrough, it's not very hard, but it, if you have the walkthrough, I mean, if you don't have to have the walkthrough. You're just the kind of person that just likes to experiment and has a lot of time to devote to the game. I mean, you could just do that. I mean, you'll eventually get through it, but I think I got through it in roughly about three hours with the walkthrough. Nice. And it, it does sound interesting, you know. Like I said, I've never played a, a point and click before, but yeah, it, it does sound the the concept of it sounds very intriguing. It sounds very different than you know anything that I've played before, which is a good thing. 
yeah, I mean, if you do get a chance to play it, I definitely recommend it. It's, you know, it's just, you know, some rooms you go into and like there's one where you go and there's a sphinx sitting there and you have to uh, solve a riddle to get past him to get to the next room where you'll find, I think in that room, you find like a ruby that goes into the staff. You have to find, you have to basically, the, the whole point of the game is to build the staff that you put all the, you know, the rubies and the gems into the staff and you use a certain spell against the wizard at the end of the game. And that's the only way to win the game is to put all this stuff together um, to be able to beat the, quote, behemoth that he's conjured up. Um, and if you beat the behemoth, then he drags the the wizard down basically to hell with him. So you have the whole point of the game is to get this, get all the pieces to the staff to be able to defeat the wizard. Sounds pretty cool, actually. And like I said, it's really atmospheric. You know, the the graphics aren't great because without the walkthrough, there's a lot of rooms where. You know, there's hidden rooms that I would not have found without the the walkthrough. But if you have enough time to just kind of play around and realize that, oh, this little rock here is colored different than the rest of the rocks around it. So you click on that rock and all of a sudden, like, the rocks fall away and you find a book behind the rocks and th- things of that nature. You know, it's just basically it's... It's the kind of game where you just go around and just try to find like little secrets and you got to find your spells and all that, all that kind of stuff. And it's just a really fun, like really atmospheric, like you just feel lonely this entire time. Like you're just going through this old castle by yourself, trying not to die. (laughs) Sounds like I got to check this game out. Like I said, it, it sounds it sounds very, very intriguing, and you know I'm reading some of the the reviews of it and the the scores and everything. The scores are pretty high. I see like 94, 90, 92, five stars, 91. So it, it, it's a well received game. Yeah, it's very well done. Because um, the next game I'm going to be doing is also a point and click adventure called The Seventh Guest, which was on um, uh, Windows. Uh, 93 or 94, I think it came out. So both of my games for the Halloween Horror Month are going to be point and click. But I was surprised at how much this game holds up over the years. And uh, there's, uh, let's see, there was a couple of other um, games that they did point and click for the Nintendo, which were uh, Deja Vu and Uninvited. I think I played Uninvited. I never played Deja Vu but now that I've gone back to play Shadowgate and enjoyed it as much as I did, I think I'm going to go hunt down Deja Vu and Uninvited to play those games again. Because I like point-and-click adventures. That's really more my speed, especially the older I get. Because I don't have the 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 uh, twitch reflexes that most games require you to have these days. So a point and click adventure where you can kind of take your time and, you know, find secrets and all that kind of stuff. That's really right up my alley. And I dove into this game and loved every second of it. That's awesome. No, I I look forward to, uh, to hearing those. And, uh, I guess I'll say next week for, uh, I'll go ahead and give this away to continue our horror themed reviews next week. I will be doing 
uh, Super Castlevania 4 yes. for the Super Nintendo and uh, also available on the SNES Classic. Sweet. But yeah, this is the perfect game to play for the month of um, October because it is uh, it, it's very Halloween-centric. So I'm going to give Shadowgate a solid 9 out of 10 for the Wow. NES. I loved it that much. That's awesome. So yeah, if you find a copy of it, I found a copy of it. I paid nine dollars plus shipping and handling on eBay for a near perfect copy of it with the instructions. So you can find a copy of Shadowgate for really cheap these days. That's fantastic. So yeah, that's my review for Shadowgate this week. Very good stuff. Now, like I said, I'll definitely have to to check out the point and click genre. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about this week before we get out of here? Um, not really. Just you know, in in case no one watched my uh, Facebook Live Q and A that I did uh, last week for the Derek Diamond experience, I'll announce it here. Um, I've moved the show to biweekly for for multiple reasons. Uh, so this week there won't be an episode, but the following week. Uh, there'll be one. I don't know if I'll have a guest for it or if I'll do another, you know, Facebook Live Q and A. Uh, but there'll be some type of episode, and you know, at some point I might go back to doing weekly shows. But due to, you know, time constraints and, quite frankly, not being able to really book anybody as far as guests go, yeah. you know, biweekly is the best option at this current point in time. Yeah, I don't blame you. That makes it a little bit easier on you and not stress you out so much. Yeah, so you can still check out, you know, past episodes. Uh, just go to search for the Derek Diamond Experience on iTunes, Stitcher, all podcasting platforms. If you want to follow the show on Facebook, uh, it's facebook.com slash Podcast and also Podcast on Twitter. Trust me, there are times I wish we could do Pop Culture Palette bi-weekly because there's some weeks that go by and I'm like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this last week was a really good show. We actually talked about how to keep your passion for creativity alive when you go through those moments of, uh, you know, what am I doing this for? Or, you know, you kind of just run out of steam, like how to keep that passion going. And um, so I thought it was a good topic, and we, we talked about a lot of good stuff. So go over to uh, – just go to Twitter, at PCP Show, to check that out, and also PCPRadio.com. And I think that's going to do it for this week. How about – what do you say? Oh, sounds good to me. Fantastic. Let me turn up our music here if I can find it. There it is. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're also at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. You can follow us individually on Twitter at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And uh, I think we're doing Reddit now, too. So we're at nerdcaveretro on Reddit. And I think that's going to do it for this week. So, Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. 